Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Love podcast, your guide to everything love, sex, intimacy, and relationships. Each week, your host, Zach Beach, interviews new experts on love, including couples therapists, relationship coaches, sex educators, and best-selling authors. Learn the best tips and cutting-edge wisdom to better love yourself, others, and the world. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Learn to Love podcast, everyone. I am your host, Zach Beach, and I'm here with the incredible relationship coach, author, and fellow podcast host, Jennifer Hervitz. Hello, Jennifer, and welcome to the show. Well, hello, hello. How are you, honey? How's it going? I'm so good. I'm so glad we can make this interview happen. We had the first one scheduled many, many months ago, almost over a year. So I'm, I'm so, so glad sorry, we can Zach. make this happen. No worries. <laughs> I know. We'll get into the challenges of, <laughs> you know, single oh. motherhood and different things like that. Because today we're going to be talking about staying married or getting happily divorced. But oh. before we get into that, for those that don't know, Jennifer is known for her no-nonsense approach to all things relationships and is proud to say she's made quite a career out of her pretty disastrous circumstances, her own divorce. She is a relationship expert, dating coach, best-selling author, and host of the award-winning Doing Relationships Right podcast. Through her books and weekly podcasts, Jennifer helps people understand what a happy relationship can look like and how to dip their toes back into the dating world post-divorce. Jen has been featured on OprahMagazine.com, where her book, Woulda, Coulda, Shoulda, A Divorce Coach's Guide to Staying Married, was chosen as one of the best books to read with your partner for a healthy relationship. So Jennifer, I usually begin by asking my guests how they're doing. Right. But I had to check in first because you say you are happily divorced and seem to be really enjoying your life right now. But in your book, you say that being divorced is actually lonely and pretty miserable. So <laughs> I have to ask. It's taken which, eight years, Zach. It's taken eight years. <laughs> which one is it? How are you actually? Oh, there? I'm doing, you know what? Now, eight years later, actually, it's been, it's been eight. It's been eight years. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's. People ask me, like, are you happily divorced? Are you happy to be divorced? Like, what's the deal, Jen, right? So I tell people, I don't even know where to start. I've got so much to say. I tell people, you know, divorce sucks. It absolutely sucks. People are like, oh, it's great. It's the best thing. Okay, people that say it's great and it's the best thing that ever happened, they're out of their divorce for a couple of years. You know, that has been three or four years. Mm-hmm. The process of getting divorced absolutely sucks. It, it, it's awful. It's like going, mm. it's literally like going through, it's like a death, like losing someone. It's like, you know loss of someone you love mm-hmm. and the life that you thought you were going to have. Okay. So um, now I'm not an advocate for um, staying in an emotionally abusive or physically abusive relationship. I'm absolutely not. The caveat here is get out if you're in an emotionally abusive or physically abusive relationship. But with that said, um, here's where your listeners are like, she's crazy. Um, <laughs> I absolutely believe if you can work on your marriage, and there's a glimmer of hope in your relationship that you need to work on it before you take that leap because the grass ain't greener. It mm. just isn't. And I think that if I knew back then um, what I know now as a coach and, and all the work I've done, I probably would have stayed married. Ah, <laughs> the crowd goes wild. Oh my God, you know. But I mean, it's hard. It's really hard. It's not, I, it is not what I thought it was going to be. 
Mm. Um, no one told me. I didn't have a crystal ball. I didn't have any expectations. I thought, oh, I'll be fine. It's going to be great. Now the kids are resilient. Bullshit. Am I allowed to swear? Oops. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. It's really, really hard. So am I happily divorced? Uh, sure. Am I in a happy divorce? Absolutely. My husband, I call my ex-husband my husband, my mm-hmm. husband and I are best friends. I have the mm. the best of the worst divorce you'll ever see. It's amicable. Was it always? No. Did we work at it? Yes, because all relationships take work. Mm. All relationships take work. Friendships, mother-child, you know, uh, marriage, relationships, they all take work. So our divorce took work. And now we are happily divorced in a happy divorce. And that's it. So mm. I'm also in a five-year relationship with my boyfriend. So Okay. Who's he's also friends with he's also friends with my husband. Husband. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that sounds pretty good. But I wouldn't mind getting into the challenges around getting divorced, right? That's one Let's piece. Do it. And then there's the challenge around being divorced. So like after you've gone through the process. Oh, so God. what were some of the like unforeseen challenges that you found around you. the process of getting divorced? Because when you mentioned it's a loss of someone that you love, I was thinking, well, most people, you know, don't love them anymore or or right. like, I'm going to be Good much point. better if we weren't together um, because you're not the well, of course. person that I want to be with. Right. It's the loss of the life that you thought you were going to have, right? Mm. So when you get married and you go to the altar or the chuppah and you walk up there, you don't ever think, I'm going to get divorced. You think white pick offense. You think beautiful whatever, you know, my kids, my family. What? So no one asks for, I mean, you don't ever think you're going to get divorced. Like, oh, five years from now, I know I'm going to, you don't, right? Your expectations are such that you're going to stay married the rest of your life. At least you hope that when you get married. Mm-hmm. So even if you want the divorce, which both me and my husband, we did, we both came to the conclusion that the divorce was best for us in our situation. Um, we chose to do it. You know, We looked at each other and said, we're going to do this right, which is where my podcast came from. My first podcast was doing divorce right. Mm-hmm. Even though we wanted it, it was devastating. Because mm-hmm. we looked at our two kids who didn't ask for this. They didn't come in our room one day and say, hey, mom and dad, guess what? At 9 and 11 years old, we think you guys should get a divorce because this really sucks. They, they didn't ask for it, right? So it was the loss of you know the life that we thought we were going to have. Mm-hmm. And I think whether you ask for it, you want it, you're cheated on, you weren't cheated on, you were, it doesn't matter. It's just... That tiny, like the un- unraveling of the bow, the box, of the bow, and the pictures, and the you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 devastating. It was devastating. It is um, emotionally. You just and everyone says, um, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. You you really don't know what you don't know. And mm-hmm. people around you who try to support you, unless you've gone through a divorce, you have no idea. Mm-hmm. Same as a death, unless you've lost someone close to you. You have no I, no idea what it's like to lose someone close to you. You can sympathize with someone, but you cannot empathize because you don't know what it's like to be in that person's shoes. So my parents, my family, my friends who were like, oh my God, you'll be fine. You'll get back out there. Oh my God, he was a loser anyway. Or he was, really? You have no idea what it feels mm. like. You know, it's hard. Just the whole thing. You know, I'm thinking about a couple people that we've had on the podcast before. One was a divorce lawyer who, of course, was like, absolutely get your prenuptial agreement. It's a wonderful opportunity to like talk about your assets, your finances, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But we have another we had another guest who literally like works in hospice care. And her mother passed away and I was talking to her about it. And she's like, nothing, nothing can prepare you. 
for this. Nothing. Nothing. Right? So I agree. So what I'm hearing from you is that you do recommend the prenuptial and at the same time, nothing Absolutely. can prepare you for it. Nothing. So nothing. is there a better way? I mean, is there any way to make divorce better? Yes. I think there's the first way to make divorce better is to not, is to set us up for better relationships in general before you even have to get there. I know that sounds cliche, but we're not taught how to do relationships right. We're not taught. As we go into marriages, as we go into relationships, whether it's same sex, whether it's you know whatever, no one teaches us how to communicate. We don't. We don't learn. It's you know men and women. We're all different. So if we were set up to be successful in our relationships, the divorce rate would go down. Hmm. I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the skills. I didn't have the knowledge or the the wherewithal to to understand how to do it right the first time. Right? Oh, I can do it right this time. I mean, next time, I, and if I ever do it again, I'm going to know what I did. You know what I'm saying? Hold myself accountable for what I did in my relationship that was wrong and f- learn how to do it right. But mm-hmm. why not fix it before it's broken? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So like, I really believe in premarital counseling. I mm-hmm. believe that when you get engaged, you should go and you should sit with um, you know, a me or a counselor or a therapist and actually learn how to communicate what your attachment styles are, what your love languages are, how you, you know, um, disagree and fight and and, because everyone fights. It doesn't matter. I mean, every couple is going to fight. It's how you make up. It's how you resolve conflict. Those are the bigger issues. That's where the, the divorce comes from. You know, when you have an issue with your spouse, how you resolve it. So let's do that work before we even get to the divorce, right? Because mm-hmm. when you get to that place where you're like, I'm throwing up, you know, throwing in the towel and saying, I'm, I'm done, it's too late. Mm. It's already, you know, I'm, I just, I'm a huge advocate for just like a prenup. Let's do it. Let's do therapy before we get to that point, right? And I mean, prenups are huge, but also you can also do a marital, you know, marital nuptial. Like while you're married, you can talk about things because things change during the marriage. So if you're going along in your marriage and you're married for seven years and things get rough or rocky, instead of saying, we're done, throw up our hands, we're done. How about you say, let's work on this. Mm. Let's choose mm-hmm. to work. It. Let's choose to be happy. Let's choose to wake up in the morning and choose each other. Mm. Now, again, caveat, I'm not saying, look, he's abusive. She's addicted to whatever. I mean, come on. And you know, but I am saying, you know, you're fighting because of X, Y, or Z, or, you know, the garage door goes up at the end of the day and your heart doesn't flutter. Is that a reason mm-hmm. to, to leave the relationship? You know, I don't know. I think you should give it a little, give it a little think. <laughs> yeah. There's always special cases, right? In the case of, you know, something like physical or emotional abuse. But what I'm hearing from you is the benefits of premarital counseling, prenups, and really working on your relationship. Uh, yeah. to make it better. It's hard. They're hard. But also like expectations, right? So expectations mm. in the mm-hmm. first place, like knowing that I'm, I'm much older than you, but when I went through, when I was getting married and looking and dating, I just thought it was going to be easy. I really did. Like my mom was like, oh, you know, you get your your MRS degree, you you get, you know, you find the guy, you get married, you go to the wife. And I just thought, oh, it's going to be, we'll work it out. Everything will just, you know, my expectations were like, white picket fence, rainbows, unicorns, you know, sunshine. No, like sit down with these kids, younger or whatever, in their 20s. Because nowadays, a starter marriage, are kids that get married between 21 and 27, those kids are the highest, the divorce rate is the highest. 
mm. between those that that age group because they're called starter marriages because mm. they, they have these expectations of like rainbows and lollipops. But if you knew going in that it was going to be work and that you were going to fight and argue and it was going to be, you know, an uphill, come on, then maybe we, you would have a better shot, you know, mm. mm-hmm. I think. So before we get into all the shoulda, woulda, couldas of like how you might have saved your marriage or how yeah. other people can save their marriage from not going yeah. uh, on the path of divorce, I wouldn't mind backing up a little bit because sure. one way of not getting divorced is not getting married. <laughs> oh, I'm with oh, you. I, you know what? What I I'm mean with by you. that is not not <laughs> jumping headfirst into it, but oh, please, making... I love you. <laughs> Say it again. Say it louder for those in the back. Just wait, wait. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, around a, a not jumping into it or be making sure you're with the right person. Right. Yes. So how does that come into play in terms of making sure that like, is it the wrong person that we're with? That's why we're getting divorced. We should have seen it, you know, five years ago. It depends on your age, but there is, um, there's a biological anthropologist. Her name is Helen Fisher, who I'm obsessed mm. with. I love her. And she does a lot of work with this whole slow love theory where people um, who wait longer, who take love more seriously, who invest longer in the relationships, that they last longer in love, right? Um, Mm. I mean, it makes sense. But she talks about a starter marriage, which I just spoke about too. Um, And you either grow with your partner or you grow, you either grow together, you know, with your partner or you grow apart. Mm. And when you're young, and when I say young, I mean in your 20s, your amygdala, your, your, you know, your frontal cord, all that stuff is not even developed yet. So you literally are growing, your, your brain is growing, your everything's growing, you're growing at different rates, right? So mm. like you have to have these conversations and you have to talk about like, I mean, everything you're doing has to align or, you know, like let's say you're with your partner and, you know, she wants to go one way and you want to go the other way. And, and you either, you either do it together or you don't like, it's, it's really, it's really just, it's not so much about picking the wrong person. I don't think at that age, but I do think you need to, I was really quick. Like I got engaged in six months, married six months later. I didn't even know him. Okay. <laughs> like I really didn't. I really yeah. didn't. Like, I just thought, Oh, he's perfect. I was looking for the perfect sperm. I tell people <laughs> the perfect sperm. He was a perfect sperm. I knew he'd be a great dad. I knew he'd be a great, you know, provider. So depending on where you are in your life, but was he a great husband? I didn't know. How would I know? I wasn't married to him. And I was the same way. He knew I'd be a great mom. He knew that I'd be a great, you know, whatever. But like, I was, I mean, he was a really like shitty husband and I was a really crappy wife. Like we just mm. didn't know how to be partners, but he was a great dad and I was a great mom. So it's just, you have to really concentrate on your relationship. Your, the two of you. And when the kids come into play, it's a whole different song and dance. But hmm. I'm not really answering your question. I'm kind of going around it. I didn't mean to get sidetracked. No, I love how you answered it. I love how you said that people who wait longer, take love more seriously, and invest longer end up lasting longer. And that's the millennials. It's actually the millennials. The people are like, oh, well, you know, they're all over the place and they're so tech savvy. But, but really, millennials are smarter. They're actually <laughs> the, the age group that like are smarter mm. because they are taking people are like they date all around and they're flitty and blah blah. No, they're just dating longer because in they're taking love actually more seriously because they're investing more time in finding the right partner. Mm-hmm. So, so people my clients that come to me and they're 30 and they're like, oh my God, I'm 30 years old. My clock is ticking. I'm like, no. 
slow down. You're good. Like I tell my boys who are in their 20s, young 20s, I don't want you to think about a partner until you're 35 or 40. I mean, no, because you have time. You have so much time. These girls are coming in. They're like, I'm my baby. I want a baby now. I'm like, freeze your eggs. (laughs) (laughs) Just slow down. Take a breath. You have time because Mm. you're changing and evolving and growing between 21 and 27. You're a different person when you're 21 from when you're 27. I mean, you're a totally different person. So Mm. you want to make sure that you find someone that, you know, at either at the same point as you or like you're, you know, cause you're, you are going to grow apart cause you're, you're going to be doing different things. So, hmm. you know. So I'm almost wondering if you think that there's a nice little sweet spot or a nice little range, you know, what I'm hearing from people hearing from you, is, Oh, 21 is a little too young. You I got engaged at six months, married at, at 12 months, basically. And I was 26, 27. Okay. Then that was maybe yeah. too quick, but, um, you know, I also know that you found the dating world at like your age yeah. also ends, ends up being a bit more challenging. So do you find like, you know, there's a recommended range around the good age to get married and also the length of your relationship? People say everyone's different because it's based on your maturity level and it's based on blah, blah, blah. I really do think, you know, men, I'm sorry guys to say this, but I think men need need to be in their their 35 and up range. Hmm. I just think that's a good, it's a good starting point. And I do, I, I just think it's, too, I think under, I think under 30 is too young. I just think it's, I think it's too young. All the moms are like, stop it right now. I want my son married off. Stop it right now. I just think it's too young. I think your chances, you know, we're living longer. Mm-hmm. Knock on wood, everyone's living longer. I mean, give yourself a fair shot. If you're getting married before 30, before 35, you got a long life to live with this person. Mm-hmm. Your chances of getting divorced are obviously greater. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry to say, like, let's do them, do the math, right? I mean, if you, your odds are going to be better if you get married later. That's, I mean, it's kind of an obvious whatever, right? So, mm-hmm. and you know, nowadays with, with the way that medicine is, women can freeze their eggs. Yes, it's expensive. I get it. People say, oh, it's so, so, but if you really want a way to make the, the choice of the, of a good, don't, don't settle girls. Don't settle because you want to get pregnant. Don't settle because you feel rushed. I, that's what I did. I mean, Mm. I did. I was like, I want babies. I have to be pregnant before I'm 30. My uterus is this, my blah, blah, blah. You know, I had time. I, I woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? Can't go back. <laughs> I have beautiful children. I'm happy. I'm thrilled. I love them with you know all my heart. But I mean, I think it was too soon. I think that had I waited, maybe things would have been different. But you know, you can't go back. Right. Hakuna Matata. <laughs> so it's so interesting hearing that you chose your partner because you thought they would be a really good husband. They chose you because they thought you'd be a really good wife yep. or mom, you know, mom and father. Mm-hmm. And But you were crappy partners. Awful. The worst. <laughs> the worst. He'll tell you. We were awful. And I know exactly what I did wrong, too. I mean, I want to shake. Like, I'm old. I'm 50, right? I want to sit down, everyone that's not married yet, all these little 30-year-olds, and shake you and be like, I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> If you act like this, you're going to be me in 25 years. Like I just, I want to shake you and be like, it's your tone. It's the way you speak to each other. You got to, and people lose their mind when I say this, you have to put your kids second. Mm. I grew up in the generation where you have to put your kids first. Everyone's put your kids first. Your kids come first. Put your kids first. Listen to me carefully. If you put your kids first, you will be divorced. You Mm. will be divorced if you put your kids first in your relationship. Your relationship has to come first if you want to stay married. You have to nurture the relationship between you and your spouse if you want to stay married. 
Period. End of story. The minute my children came out of my vagina, I looked at my husband and I said, you're number two. <laughs> these these boys are number one Just and Mark, you're number right two. In the right now, I said, guess what? <laughs> I did the baby shout out and I said, look at, look at me, honey. You are now number two and this baby's number one. And guess what? That was a demise of our relationship, like literally, mm. because if you don't, and the thing is, you have to remember, your kids are going to be happier if you're happier with your spouse. If your relationship is better with your spouse, your kids are going to be happier, healthier children because they're going to see what a what a loving, caring relationship looks like. They're going to model that behavior and you're going to be happy. You're going to be having sex, the dopamine, the oxytocin. You're going to be in love with your husband or your wife and your kids are going to be happy. But if you pull away from your spouse to put all of your energy into your children, you will become a bitch. <laughs> oh. And you, I'm saying, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's what happens. You put your kids first, you, and literally- you know, your husband starts resenting you. You start resenting him because he doesn't help with the kids and he doesn't do the laundry or he doesn't whatever. I'm being real sexist. I'm trying not to, but like, you know what I'm saying? Or vice versa. You're at work all day and he, you come home and he's like, you know, hasn't made the dinner, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You have to, I mean, you guys, I thought it was the best. I, I, when I public speak around the country, I did this whole spiel and people are like, oh my God, I thought it was the best wife ever. The best. I would plan date nights every Saturday night. We would okay. go out on our date nights. I would get a babysitter. We'd get all dressed up. And what do you think we did on the date nights? I don't know. What do you think we did? talked about the kids? We That's exactly right, Zach. <laughs> we talked about the kids the whole time. We talked mm. about the kids. We talked about our finances. We talked about his job. We never, ever talked about anything like about us or about what we were doing or what was important to him or what was important to me or what made my life. Never. It was always about the kids. Mm. So when I work with couples, I tell them, you're not allowed. Not allowed on your date night. No kid talk. No talk about, you know. And also I say to my to my couples, you have to have sex before you go on your date. Before you go out for dinner, you have to have sex before you go. Am I allowed to talk about this? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure. We've had some sexy because, episodes, so yeah. Oh, good. I like sexy episodes. Because if you don't have sex before when you get home, right? I used to fake diarrhea. I used to be like, I'm having, I can't I can't have sex and having diarrhea. My head is or I'm kidding. Well, maybe I'm, not that I'm, explicit. Whatever. No, I'm just joking. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> I just feel like my head is killing me. You know, like I'm too full from dinner. I'm blah, blah, blah. But like you can't make excuses. You have to keep your intimacy. It has to. I could go on for days, Zach. I could go on for days. <laughs> but I would, I would still be married if I knew all these things. You know, hmm. I'm like. No, I'd love to talk more about that, um, about what you think can help people save their marriages. So a huge thing I'm hearing from you right now is just communication. Right. Yes. Earlier you mentioned how yes. you speak and your tone. Um, it's funny because usually date night is a common recommendation for yes. people to save their marriage just to never stop dating their partner. Um, but what I'm hearing from you is not necessarily that you're having a date night, but how, how you're how, having it. Yes, yes, yes. And actually I believe in scheduling sex too. Mm -hmm. People think I'm, I'm nuts, but a lot of, the, you know, you, you can talk to a sexologist and they'll go either way in this, but, um, as you get deeper into your relationship and further long and older and you have kids, it's hard. It's hard to find times, you know, time to be intimate. And I'm a big fan of like every Friday night or once a week and you know when it's coming, no pun intended. And you, um, you know, you have your date set up and that way there's no pressure. The pressure's mm -hmm. off the rest of the week. Right. But you know, on that Friday night that you're having sex and that's it. And so, you know, you get ready and she gets ready and you know, it's going to be a whatever. And you leave little notes around the house. I don't care what you do, but 
it's anticipation. Anticipation is sexy. That's hot. And you meet up on Friday night and you know that, you know, you lock the door and the kids are asleep and blah, blah, blah. And that's your night together. And, you know, those kind of things help a relationship. They really do. It's like, you know, it's kind of like foreplay, but you know, it's coming. So I don't know. Well, remember something that I read that you have a secret recipe for everlasting <laughs> You read marriages. my books. You actually did read your books. That's so nice. Oh, so, so you got to tell our listeners, what's the secret spice? Oh my God. Do I remember them? It's been so long since I've read my own books. What was it? Um, sex, silence, and smile. I was going to say sex, silence, and smile, but I already I hit the sex yeah. and silence. Oh, silence. Yeah. So um, talking less and what was it? Speaking more, talking less, something like that. Oh yeah. Just listening. So, you know, my client, my clients always come to me and they're like, he never listens to me. He never listens to me. And the men are always like, all she does is nag. All mm. she does is nag or, you know, like. All the time, she's relentless. She doesn't stop. She doesn't stop. I can't take it. So he shuts down and she keeps talking. I mean, it's a typical like, you know, dynamic of blah, 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 and DDD. But here's the thing. Is the sock on the floor, just asking the women, is the sock on the floor really that important? Mm. Because that sock that he left on the floor could be the end of your marriage. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, if it's that important, it never is really the sock on the floor. You understand? It's never really. The problem is never really the sock on the floor. It's bigger than that, right? For women, it's bigger. It's because he always leaves. It's it's a respect thing. He always leaves the sock on his floor. He never picks it up. I know it's because it blah, blah. But really, if the sack is that important, pick it up and put it away. Don't make it just about the sack on the floor. But if it's a bigger issue- But I've put that sock know- away five times this week. No, right. <laughs> exactly. That's what, do you understand? That's what it is. I can't believe, how come you never listen to me? I've told you 75 times not to put the glass on the top you know, rack of the dishwasher, right? I mean- mm-hmm happens. But the truth is, is that it's the way you approach it, right? It's the way you say to him, if you go to him and you are nagging and you're bitchy and you're emasculating, it ain't going to work. But if you say, look, I've asked you blah, 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 and do you mind? And it's, it's just about being kind and about being respectful and about understanding each other's time and space. And no one likes to feel emasculated. Women too, men, no one, no one likes to be talked down to. It's about your tone, right? I mean, we know these things, but in the heat of the moment, you know, sometimes we get a little nasty, but Mm. we have to kind of check ourselves. Mm -hmm. So talking less and listening more. Yeah. And, you know, like guys have to listen. Guys, you got to tell people to zoop in their ears. Like you have to listen. You know, I mean, yes, women need to um, maybe find the right time to approach subjects. Like when you're... When your husband walks in the door from the end of a long day or when he, um, you see him busy with a project, bombarding him with, with an issue is not the best time, right, mm-hmm. to talk about an issue. Setting a date, maybe um, sending him a text saying, hey, you know, honey, I have something important I'd like to speak to you about what time is good for you. You know, like, do you think we could talk tonight over wine or what about, you know, Yes, some things come up and they're, they're quick things and you have to talk immediately, but it's best if you both have a time that's good for you to speak. Mm-hmm. It works a lot. It's a lot better. Um, I'm also a big fan of doing check-ins. Mm-hmm. So like check-ins before you go to bed, like let's talk about like one thing that was great about today, one thing that wasn't so great about today, but giving yourself space, like allowing the space to be heard and allowing the space to speak. Mm-hmm. So, So something we haven't quite tackled yet something you said earlier around really trying your best to stay married. 
right in the topic <laughs> for today is staying married or getting happily divorced right okay. and then we can put like, should you know, i stay or should i go <laughs> exactly because um i wouldn't mind getting into when do we want to stay married and when do we want to get divorced mm. and you know how much effort should we expect to have to put into our marriages oh that's a tough one zach <laughs> that's a tough one i mean i mean i think it's it's different for every couple right some experts will say that it only takes it takes both people to put the work in Mm-hmm. And then some expert, experts say that as long as one person is still in it, that there's hope. Mm. I'm not that expert. I think it takes both of you. I think if one person is is saying they're done, it's really hard to get that to get it back. Mm-hmm. I think you both have to choose to want to be in it. I don't think there's a time. I don't think there's a timeline for like. Are you asking like specifically like how you know when it's time? I think you just know. Mm. I think you just. I mean. I will tell you this, um, most people, it takes way longer than you, than you anticipate that it takes for them to decide to leave. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like I was thinking about it for three years before I pulled the trigger, okay. right? Because there's so much, you vacillate, there's so, so many decisions, financial, my kids, my kids were my biggest, my biggest factor. Like some people are like, okay, well, I'm going to wait till the kids go to college. That's a huge one. Huge one. When the kids go to college, it'll be better for them. It'll be better. We'll make it through college. As long as we can make it till they get to college, we'll be fine. And people, I mean, Mark and I spoke about that. Like, we'll be fine till they go to college, but you know what? Like, are you fine? Is it going to be fine? Like, is it better for the kids if you're fighting all the time in the house? No, it's not. Hmm. It's not better, you know, for them. Um, Although for my kids, we didn't fight. Mark and I would fight outside on the front porch and the neighbors were like probably wondering what was going But for my kids, they were shocked. At 9 and 11, they were really shocked because they never saw us fight. So that was even that was even harder on them, right? Mm-hmm. Did I answer your question? Kind of not? Yeah. No, you, you absolutely did. And much earlier, you mentioned how the grass is not greener on the other side. But it gets greener. It, can, it gets greener. Does that make sense? Like it's not greener because it's not it's not the green you think it is. Let's put it that way. It's not like swinging from the rafters and having sex all the time and going like that's what my my married friends thought. They thought that I was like I, first of all I wasn't allowed to talk to a lot of them because their husbands thought it was contagious. Like divorce is contagious. A lot of people think divorce is contagious. Let me tell you, it's not. I don't cause divorces. You don't cause divorces when you get divorced which is so bizarre because a lot of married people think that if you hang out with divorced people, that all of a sudden you will be divorced. Newsflash, it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. That's like, just, but it, it is, it's crazy. Like it's, people actually think that like by being around, I don't know what it is. It's just bizarre, but I lost so many friends, so many friends, so many friends who were like, just didn't even know how to handle it. Like didn't know what to say didn't know how to act. Some people don't know which side to choose, Team Jen, Team Mark. Well, we were good friends. They didn't have to choose. We thought we made it easy, mm-hmm. but clearly we mm-hmm. didn't. Um, my kids lost their friends. That was the most That was the most shocking out of everything. Like, mm. I never thought my kids' friendships would be affected like they were. Um, they weren't invited to, like, you know, big group things anymore because I, I guess it was uncomfortable for to have the divorce kid there. I don't. I don't, I never will really wrap my head around it, but to this day, it was the hardest hit that we took Mm. was that like my my kids were left out of things. 
I still get emotional thinking about it. It's like really hard. Hmm. Their friendships changed. And it wasn't their fault. Like I remember calling one of my girlfriends and saying, look, I get it. You know, the, all the boys are going on a ski trip together, like the group, the 10 of them. And mine wasn't invited. And I'm like, I understand, but like I can pay for Jonah. Like, you know, I'll pay for him to go if, if you don't mind. Like, can he, you know, well, all the dads are going. And I was like, well, you know, I have, he still has a dad. Like <laughs> Jonah's dad is not gone. Well, it was uncomfortable for the other dads because they were all married. They don't want the divorced dad there. Well, I mean, you know, like so um, shocking to me, hmm. really, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think that's such an important insight that life on the other side is not what people think it will be. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I think a lot of people might feel like inhibited in their marriage, like it's like a cage that they're in and they've perhaps romanticized their earlier life before marriage about how free they were. And they think that like, oh man, you know, once I get that divorce, I'm going to have multiple partners and be free and not have this, these boundaries around me. But there's an extraordinary number of challenges. Um, You know, you're not in your 20s anymore. So tell our listeners a little bit more about that, you know, it's not what that life is like on the other side. Well, it's interesting. I did. I thought that. I thought all of that. I really did. I Mm. thought I'm in like a kind of borderline sexless marriage. You know, Mark and I were kind of like over it. And Mm. I thought, okay, I'm going to get divorced and immediately I'm going to have date after date. And I could, because you can, it's very simple. I mean, like, you know, and um, I was an absolute mess. I was an Mm. absolute mess. And I wasn't ready to date, but I thought I was, and I wouldn't listen to anybody because, like I said, you don't know till you know. And um, I did. I got right back out there, and I started dating, and I dated like person after person of disaster, narcissist, horrible. I had relationships that were frightening to me because hmm. I was not. I had no self self confidence. I had no self worth. I didn't even know. I didn't know I was as damaged as I was because. I thought it was healthy coming out of this divorce. I thought, oh, well, I wanted this divorce. I'm fine. But you don't have perspective on, because you've never been divorced before, right? So you have no perspective. Mm-hmm. It, is so, it is so not what I anticipated or thought for one second. We were nesting. So I don't know if you're familiar with nesting, but my kids stayed in our house and Mark mm-hmm. and I got an apartment and we moved in and out. So my kids didn't have to. Everything was just so surreal. It was just like, but now, just jump ahead, it does get better. Like, I don't want everyone to think, like, oh, I'm never going to divorce because it's going to. It does eventually, like, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, right? It just, it takes work. It takes a long time. It takes therapy. It takes listening, having people, a support system. You can't do it alone. You're in the worst time of your life, the most emotional, emotionally, like, I can't even, like, the worst point in your life, you have to make long term um, financial decisions. You have to worry about your children. You have to get yourself out of like this dark, dark place and live while you're going through the worst point of your life. It's like, so when my friends were like, oh, Jen's single. She's having the best time. She gets to live alone. She gets her kids week on, week off. Can you imagine having all that alone time? I was like, wait, I don't see my kids for half of their life. Hmm. Okay. So like, I don't choose this alone time. It's much different. When you get to choose your alone time, like, oh, I get to go on a girl's trip. Then when someone, when the judge says to you or your attorney says to you, you're losing your kids for 50% of their life. Mm. Okay. Like you think to yourself, oh, two, two, five, you know, week on, week off. And I was like, oh, this will be great. I'll get to watch my Netflix and chill. Yeah. I'm alone. <laughs> 50% of my life 
in my house by myself and my babies are celebrating X, Y, or Z with their dad. Mm. And I'm lucky because my ex and I are friends. But when you're in a high conflict divorce or you're in a, I mean, I just can't even, it's hard. It's really hard. I think people need to understand how hard it is. But yes, if you need to do it and yes, you you choose to do it, you will be okay. Mm. You will be okay. I mean, you will eventually, but you can't do it alone. I, ch- mm-hmm. I, I thought I could. Mm. Yeah, it was so interesting to me when you mentioned that after the divorce, you dated person after person. That was quite frightening. And that's another thing I've been thinking about listening to you about the grass not being necessarily greener or life is not necessarily what you think it is, is basically how we all have conscious and unconscious relationship patterns that shape the relationship that we are in. So often people think that if they switch out their partner, if they, if they were with somebody else, that all the relationship problems will be solved. And many people, and it usually happens before the marriage, but usually, you know, people enter into the same relationship again and again. And they're like, hmm, I wonder what the, the singular factor here is in all these relationships. <laughs> People have unconscious patterns that attract them to like narcissists or something like that. So I feel like that is a a bit more of an argument towards doing the necessary work, right? Absolutely. I should have done it before I got married. Mm. The emotional work. Uh Mm. Yeah. I think I got married too soon. I think I didn't realize I I needed to do the work because I wasn't mature enough to admit it. But then when I held myself, I held myself accountable for the mistakes I made in my marriage. And so did my husband. And we both sat down because we went to therapy, but we were just, it didn't work because we, neither of us, we were both like, we're done. Mm-hmm. But looking back, I mean, I can absolutely tell you 100% that I needed so much work. And mm. after I did it, I'm like a different person. Mm. Like, you know, and I know, I mean, holding yourself accountable for the mistakes you made or, and this, you know, owning your shit. Oh my God. So good for you. It's <sighs> such an enlightening, I mean, I'm like, I know. I remember calling Mark and saying, oh my God, Mark, I am so sorry. Like I was an emasculating bitch. Like what? Mm. I'm like, I am so sorry. It's my, he's like, Jennifer, no. He's like, we were both, we were both awful. You know, we just, we didn't put ourselves first. We didn't take care of each other. We did not do what we're supposed to do with Mm. our relationship. And I was like, you know, what do you say at that point? But we were both were like, let's just, he's like, let's move on. Let's be friends. Let's do this right. Mm. Let's take care of our children. And ironic that now we put our kids first and it's okay. I tell people during a marriage, you need to put your kids second, but to, during the divorce, your kids come first. Hmm. So Owning your so shit depressing, is so Zach. good This is you. so depressing. No, not depressing <laughs> at all. I hope not. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's real. Um, yeah, it is You know, real. people, you, you use the term rainbows and lollipops earlier that people have the, have this romanticized idea of what you know marriages take and the work that is necessary but we're all human we're all imperfect we all have our own stuff and to me it's not depressing what i'm hearing from you it's more just like hopeful that relationships and marriages that almost seem like they're on the way out are still wonderful opportunities to learn yes, to grow yes. you know people used to stay married out of obligation or legality right like when you're a woman and you can open a bank account without your husband's name, like oh you would just stay right. in. Right. And, um, but now the survival of the family, the survival of the marriage depends on the quality of the partnership. So what I'm hearing, oh, I love you know, is that how, how important it is to work with each other, support each other, love each other for the sake of the family and, and the kids. 
And I think also loving yourself, right? I mean, I think you talk a lot about that too. And you're, I watch your yoga practice and everything. I'm so jealous. I got to get back into it. But, <laughs> um, you know, loving who you are and being able to like, you know, owning your shit. Yeah. But also knowing that like you're important enough to either stay and love your partner and yourself and know that together, like you can fix it or leaving and loving yourself enough to know that you need to wait until you heal before you jump into, you know, destructive relationship after relationship. Hmm. My clients always say to me, well, when's the best time to date, Jen? When should I start dating? And I'm like, no, no, there is no best time. The best time is when you are ready and healed and you're never going to be the perfect version of yourself, right? You're always going to be growing and evolving and changing. And I think that's what's important. I'm never going to be perfect. I hope I'm never perfect. I hope I can always grow and evolve and change, right? And learn. But you have to be able to sit in your space and and be comfortable with being alone. And I think a lot of, especially my, my female clients, they are not. I was not okay with being alone. I thought I was. That's another real eye-opening thing about divorces. I thought, oh yeah, I'm going to be fine. I'm fine alone. Everyone, I'm totally good alone. I was not okay alone. Mm. So it's interesting to me, you know, mm. things you would figure out what it could have showed. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, I appreciate it so yeah. much hearing about your lived experience and oh, just repeating so. what you said. You need to heal before you get into a destructive relationship after relationship. Mm. So you. I feel like it's a really just lovely segue into my last and final question that I love to ask all of my guests, which is quite simply, what do you wish everyone knew about love? Oh, that's such a good one. I'm, I'm getting emotional. I think that you are capable of, people are capable of loving more than one person at different points in their life and that that's okay. I think that people get stuck on the fact that they, you know, that there's a soulmate and that you only have one person and that once you find that one person, you're done and that you, I don't believe that. I believe that mm. there are different people for different different times in your life. And I, I love big and it's okay to love big and then love big again and then love big again. Mm. And love grows and changes just like everything else. So I think that that's really important to know that it's not so much about finding the right partner. Yes, is important. But I think that being the right partner is just as important when you find that partner. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I, I love Did it. I answer your question? You can love big again and again and again. And again and again. Yeah, you can love big again. I love big. I love, I love big. So, <laughs> you know, thank you for having me, Zach. <laughs> so it's so interesting. I think we said this during the show. I don't know if I mentioned it bef before we started recording, but you mentioned you're, you're in a five-year relationship. So I have to ask, yeah. is there a marriage there in that future? No. Are you done with <laughs> 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 no, no. Also, I don't blend families. That's a whole other practice. We don't. My kids have never met his kids okay. in five years. So yeah. So no, there'll be no marriage. You know, I, I love, love him. him. I, I love big. I love big. I love big. But um, I don't love him that much. <laughs> I do. I love him. I just don't. I think. I think. I think I'm good. I think I'm good. I think I'm happy being alone. Ish. Alone. Ish. Well, not alone. <laughs> not alone. I'm good. <laughs> You're independent, you. not alone. I'm independent. I am. I'm happy. I'm happy. Mm, it's good. Wonderful. Finally. <laughs> so thank so you so much, Jennifer Herberts, for coming on to the show. Author of Woulda, Coulda, Shoulda, A Divorce Coach's Guide to Staying Married, as well as One Happy Divorce. And for our listeners that want to learn more about you, how can they find you? It's real easy. JenniferHerberts.com. 
Wonderful. That's H-U-R-V-I-T-Z. And that'll be in the show notes as well. So thank you so much, Jennifer Herberts, for coming onto the show, for giving us your very real experience. You clearly walk the walk and are sharing your wisdom that you found with others to help others come up with that big decision whether or not to stay married or get happily divorced. There are pros and cons to each of them. And I appreciate you sharing all your insight and wisdom with us today. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Learn to Love podcast. To learn more about the show and your host, head over to ZachBeach.com or TheHeartCenter.com. You can also follow Zach on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 